Chapter 10 Noel 1 With time, grief has a way of slipping down in the crevices of your heart. It never really leaves. It just makes room for more. Nancy B. Brewer, Beyond Sandy Ridge A chorus of birds wakes me from a dream. It's my one tap, and at 6 a.m. sharp, I'm up. So, like every morning, rain or shine, I faithfully do my daily five minutes of morning yoga stretches. Muscles and body warmed. I step into a cold shower to wake that body all the way up, then increase the temperature to something a little less like falling into the snow in winter. And if that's not enough to warm me up, I have a full-body Turkish cotton plush towel, soft and fluffy. For a trim five-foot gal, it's not too hard to find a towel big enough for a wraparound. But this one, well, it's like being cuddled by a pile of warm puppies or embraced by a chinchilla blanket. It's just a shame to actually get dry instead of just laying back down, drowned in the comfort. But the day is moving on, Noel. So I crawl bit by bit out of the towel to moisturize. Although, fact of the matter is, this is the great American South. The humid summer air is absolutely the best moisturizer money can buy, and it's free. So... Tom saved with not having to do the usual dry winter three-potion moisturizer routine. Time to put on my face. I look at the pretty gal in the mirror. You're gorgeous, babe, but let's go for a tune-up. Start with some primer, like Papa used to put on the car when he'd banged it up on Saturday nights, and magic eye cream under the eyes. I'm getting some dark circles under them eyes from all the late-night studying sessions for bookkeeping certification, but it'll be worth it. Now some color corrector and color concealer. I find that flat specialized brush for foundation. Remember to dampen your old reliable beauty blender. Put a bit of highlighting on that forehead, cupid's bow, chin, and then back to the beauty blender. Almost there. A bit of eye brightening setting powder for a natural and fresh look. A little brow pencil being sure to fill the gaps that allows it to look more natural. Then just enough brow gel. Take your time with this, darling, because if it's worth doing at all, it's worth doing right. I don't want a clown face, for goodness sake. Some bronze powder contour. Don't forget the cheekbones. And a bit on that forehead. Make sure you soften the edges so that it looks more natural. A little faux glow and illuminator for a really natural look. And on to the blush and eyeshadow. Curl the eyelashes, mascara, lip liner, and finish it off with a shimmery lip gel and you're ready to go. Goodness sake, don't you look the natural beauty, hun? The envy of every good southern lady out there. Let's see, that sundress has a pretty flower pattern, just two or three inches above the knee, with a neckline low enough and with just enough decolletage so as not to be scandalous, but certainly to attract the eye. Let's go with the sunny yellow skinny strap ankle tie sandals with the one-inch Cuban heels. And why do we have to have so many Cubans? Isn't the ocean... Big enough to keep them out? Well, no matter. I'm ready for anything and anybody now. I think I'll pick this flowered apron to match my dress. I pop a beyond fowl poached egg into the micro, a thin sliced English muffin into the toaster. Lordy, I miss the real eggs from when I was just knee-high to a bull weevil. But with all the liberal heart bleeding, real food from real animals is fast becoming a thing of the past. And the ridiculous slaughter tax is making proper food unaffordable. At least there's still a choice. An expensive choice, howsomever. 
My muffin gets a little faux butter scraped across its crisp edges. At least they haven't outlawed killing those little yeasty critters. Although someday bacteria probably will be protected too, I expect. And then how will we break bed together if we can't bake it? Lord, do those people go too far. The cough is real coffee, however. Fresh beans from the local roaster. And it tastes so much better in the patterned china cup with the lacy gold rim. Ah, inhale that aroma, Noel. Past that perfectly powdered nose. That heavenly scent is proof of God's great gifts. Now for my morning coffin nail. But one cigarette is not going to kill me. And the nicotine provides a nice little extra morning pickup. A slow inhale of the smoke. And my head leans back and I take a look at heaven through closed eyelids and forget about the world for just a little bit. Let me leave all those memories and thoughts of regret behind just for a minute now, can't we? It's no use. The thoughts creep in. I have the looks and the figure. Why isn't there any man to cook for this morning? I just don't understand it. But he's been long gone and I got no time to worry about it. The twins are grown, so I only need to cook for one. No egos to get together for the children, who have both moved west. Polly to school to better himself, and Angie to see if she can make a splash in acting. Lord knows she acted up enough as a child. Pull yourself together, girl. Come on back now. Oh, Lord, look at that. A very nearly scorched the tablecloth. Wake up before you burn the place down, Noel. I sweep up the ashes with my little table crummer and lift my cup for the last of my coffee. I see the ashes from the end of my cigarette have fallen right into the cup. I wonder if that old gypsy woman could read them like she does the tea leaves. Maybe she could tell me something about how the future might change for the better. And soon, I hope. But I should not be thinking such things. They are very unchristian, and the future is in God's hands. I just empty the mess into the disposer, wipe the delicate china clean, and set it aside on a bright yellow dish towel. It's nice to bring the sun in any way I can, don't you think? I look around. The kitchen is tidy enough, so I'm off to morning services at Holy Trinity CREC, just a short 10-minute ride away. Once I'm at the church, sitting cozily in my pew, comfortably in the back, I'm reminded that Jesus, our Lord, is the one and same with the Holy Spirit and with the Godhead, or God. The difference between these two, if there is one, is frankly a little confusing. I got no problem that the three parts of the Trinity is one and the same, whether we're talking about God, or Godhead, which is a little odd, sounds like one of those Eastern mystic persons, about God, the Holy Ghost, and blessed Jesus himself. It's obvious, really, that they really are all the one Almighty. The pastor's given his sermon, and right now he just said that confusing part in the Athanasian Creed, 19, For lakas we are compelled by the Christian verity to acknowledge every person by himself to be God and Lord, I don't get it. Am I God too? Mama always schooled us that we need to listen to the preacher, that we would be sent to hell if we did not abide those words. And of course, also, if I did not submit to my eventual husband. That's from Colossians 3, 18 and 19. But honestly, I think that submitting to Papa is what ruined Mama, is what broke her poor little camel's back, along with his drinking. I hate to remember back then when I would hear the screen door bang open, 
I always tried to make myself scarce and stay out of Papa's way. That time when I heard Mama and Papa drunk yelling, and then he found me, and I, I, I submitted to Papa. God rest his twisted, tortured soul. And then Mama found out. Well, I think that's what ruined things for them both. The last straw. I don't know if I can ever forgive myself for that. Of course, what did I know then? I hadn't even got my first period yet, and Mama had not talked to me about such things. She never did, actually. Fortunately, I had friends to tell me about the bleeding, although I might bet what they said was wrong. I hope that God can forgive me. I hope that God can forgive me for wondering if we are all God, like the Athanasian Creed might be saying, and that I am not condemned to wander forever in the underworld. But, but if we are all God, maybe I get to forgive myself. I don't know, maybe a shrink would tell me such a thing. Such a strange concept. Well then, services are over, and I'm outside blinking in the sunshine, hoping God's own ball of heat and light can dry up these thoughts of mine. I tap my dent net with the tip of my tongue to call for a southern comfort assist. <laughs> Not the liquor, no well. Lord help me, I don't need booze right now, I say right out loud. In case you don't know, Southern Comfort Coach, we call it So Coco, is the cab rides preferred by many here. The driver's a robot, although you can't see him. He's inside the guts of the car somewheres. The company still believes in the promise of the South, and they're probably the only car stop service that allows firearms in their vehicles. It's a big part of the draw. Another side benefit of the liberals always attacking the Second Amendment is that this makes us feel very strong about our own beliefs. Of course, so Coco makes a little marketing hay about it, but I gotta say I, I identify with it. Car, stop at the Grateful Brew. That's the drive through they put in recently. I need to stop for a strong dose of caffeine to wake me up after the sermon. Forgive me, Lord. Then by the house for my special guitar case and over to the park. The park that is largely uh, closed for renovations because of an invasion of some unwanted creatures, and I want to help. There's park ranger Emerson guarding the gate. I give him my brightest smile. Howdy, Miss Harris. How are you doing today? I'm most excellent, Ranger Emerson. And you? Young Emerson strolls over to the car, glancing with what he thinks is a secret look down through the window to see what he can see. Ma'am, are you here to do a clean-up again? He's so attractive, but bless his heart, he's 20 years younger than me, and I can't really afford a scandal, as sweet as the boy seems. Come to think of it, he can't afford a scandal neither, so, we, so early in his career... I am, Ranger. Care to let me in? He takes one more hopeful peek through the window before he unlocks the gate and lets me and the Sococo through, carefully closing and locking it behind me. He's a good boy, and he won't let anybody else in to witness or interrupt the process today. That one time a reporter got through, there is such a public ruckus that the city council very nearly got young Emerson fired. So he is literally the gatekeeper. No press today. Once the Sococo is in the lot, I open the trunk and unlock the padlock on the guitar case. I lift a beauty from the custom cut out in the dense foam. It's my friend Harold, all oiled and polished and shiny as an AK-47 can get. I don't need the scope today, so that stays in the case. I do take two spare cartridges in case I need them, 
and a small tripod, everything I need for a bit of fun, and to protect the precious children from the illegal aliens, and today from the vermin, and from that damned Hank, my ex. You can't depend on the government to enforce a TRO on the spot, so I spent a goodly chunk of my savings on this beauty, but Harold is worth every penny. And right next to the case, a big bag of unsalted peanuts in the shell. I take those, too. I put a zebra pattern blanket down in a shady spot on the grass at the edge of a clearing surrounded by the old oaks because this dress is too pretty to get dirty. Then I toss liberal handfuls, wouldn't it be fun to actually toss a crazy liberal or two out there, of those peanuts into the sunny clearing, lay down and wait patiently for my moment. The hundred-foot willow oaks nearly surround the clearing that is practically half a football field of sturdy crabgrass, but there is an opening just opposite my spot. I figure I need 500 feet or so of clearance. That bookkeeping class is helping you a lot with your math, Noel. A nervous squirrel grabs the nearest peanut and runs back to the branches that reach almost to the ground. Another squirrel darts out for a nut, then another, and another... Soon the rodents lose their fear of the open. A cornucopia of goobers enticing them out into the open. Plenty there for the taking. Their cute little faces are lighting up. Their cute little cheeks are getting full. But these little guys show themselves to be the gluttonous vermin they really are, as dozens and more descend on the peanut orgy fest in front of them, stuffing those cheeks as full as their faces can stretch making them look like furry little buck-toothed fat men with ghastly smiles. It's time. Harold thunders. Ten rounds per second at 1,600 miles an hour reduces a couple of dozen of the little guys to so many bits of fluff in just moments. For just a second, the rodent faces morph into Hank, into Papa, into some of the handsy drunks that show up every night at work. Even though the kids are grown... I would be damned if any of those men ever got too close to my lambs, my kids, Angie and Polly. That's why I got sole custody all those years ago. And besides, this is about the best therapy I've ever had. Bam, baby. Not even anything left to clean up.